Hello, everyone. My name is Joshua Gilliland. And no, I don't normally dress in 19th century attire for kicks, unless it's a Kickstarter project. And we're here today to talk about the Boston Metaphysical Society, which was nominated for a 2014 Geeky Award, and my friend Madeline Holly Rosing, who's here to talk about her comic, her Kickstarter project, and it's absolutely a lot of fun. So how are you doing today? Pretty good. Thank you for having me, Josh. I really appreciate the time. <laughs> Not a problem. It's, you got a great book. I love where it's going. Uh, you know, I'm a lawyer and I read it for legal issues, but it's... <laughs> <laughs> I know love, you do. Love what you're doing. So tell everyone uh, where we are with issues three and four that, that have come out and your Kickstarter project. Well, to start off, in case uh, someone hasn't heard of the comic before, it's about an ex-Pinkerton detective and his spirit photographer partner who battles supernatural forces in late 1800s Boston. Think steampunk X-Files. It's a six-issue miniseries. We have chapters one through four out. Uh, we are currently running a Kickstarter to produce and print chapter five. We're about 44% there with... 15 days left so obviously we could really use people's help um, it's one of those things where it's it's definitely not hopeless we do have a shot of making that goal but it will require uh, help and uh, a lot of work on my part <laughs> and and we are here to help and that's not like a quote like the federal government. We actually want to help. So uh, it's a great book. I like where things are going. And I like your spin on Tesla. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I do get other people who, who disagree with my spin on Tesla. But, um, you know, it is fiction. It's a, fic it's a fiction book. But what I do try to do is stay thematically true to the relationships that he had. Uh, for those of your, your viewers who don't know, uh, Bell, Edison, Tesla, and Houdini are all part of the storyline. Um, all of them knew each other except for probably Houdini. Um, they probably didn't know him at the time. But Bell, Edison, and Tesla, they all had interactions. They did business with each other. They, had, uh, they all had a contentious relationship, so I spun that into my alternate history universe of Boston Metaphysical, and also added a, another real-life character by the name of Granville Woods, who you and I, we've talked about him before on an earlier podcast, and uh, integrated them with the... Uh, two of our leads, Samuel Hunter and Caitlin O'Sullivan, who are fictional characters. Samuel is from a more middle-class background, former Pinkerton detective, now has his own essentially paranormal detective agency, and Caitlin is from the uh, south side of Boston, the uh, wrong side of the tracks, Irish, and uh, everyone looks down on them. So she... Uh, it, the story touches a lot on uh, classism, racism, and sexism, along with telling uh, a, f a fun supernatural story uh, based in this alternate universe of 1880s Boston. Which is cool. And the idea that not all spirits are bad, 
you play with that in one of the yes. issues. And that yes. was that was cute. I really liked how you did that as a conflict resolution. And then you have, I won't give it away, but Tesla looking like he's committed a few crimes in his quest to fight, <laughs> fight the evil spirit that's like, whoa, that would not be okay. That there's... <laughs> The necessity defense does not work in that situation with what he did. Uh, well, thematically, the, the story is about the lead character of Samuel Hunter, who is obsessed with finding this entity that murdered his wife. It's a, a supernatural entity. And whether or not he will cross that moral line how far will he go to achieve his ends? So it's, it, is, it focuses on his obsession and how far he will go, um, and will his team be able to pull him back in time? And that's what we discover in, obviously, issues five and six, where everything comes to a head of whether or not he, who, where the shifter actually came from, um, and what happens to our team. I don't want to give away too much. No, nor should you. I don't. I don't like spoilers. I want to be surprised when I read it. So I do, again, since I want people to read the book, uh, without going into any detail, the police interrogation scene that took place made me start thinking of con law and criminal oh. procedure because a lot of those rules hadn't been established until like the 1930s and, yes. then, and, then, mm -hmm. to the, and then in you know, uh, to the 1960s as well. Which says, you know, that was fun to read. It's like, you know, that's that's interesting <laughs> with, with what they did. So uh, I, I like the way that you work in those issues. So uh, keep up that good work. But uh, where could people find your Kickstarter project and the video and, and learn more about what you're trying to do? Uh, they can go to kickstarter.com uh -huh. and search for uh, Under Comics or Boston Metaphysical. I think we're actually still on the first page of the popular section. If you look under pop most popular comics, I believe we're still on the first page. Uh, you can also link through our website at uh, www.bostonmetaphysicalsociety.com. Um, we do have a YouTube channel. Uh, I've actually been having trouble with the vanity URL, so it doesn't say Boston Metaphysical yet, but I'm sure if you... Google YouTube Boston Metaphysical. It's going to pop right up. Fantastic. So you'll see. You'll, so you'll see the uh, the Kickstarter video. Very cool. Now, if people wanted to order issues one through four, how could they do that? Uh, through the website, um, my own web, the comic website at bostonmetaphysicalsociety.com. Uh, you just click on the header where it says buy comics, and uh, you'll also see that there are. Uh, there's a page for the novellas because, well, as you know, but your viewers probably don't, I've also written a series of short stories and novellas that are prequels to the comics, so there's no spoilers. Uh, it's Transmedia, Welcome to the New World. Um, it, uh, I have fans who've started on the prose side and moved to the comic and gone from the comic to the prose, and they've really enjoyed that because it, it enriches the world. You can dig much deeper on the prose side than you can with the comics. I mean, you're, you're, you are limited with the comics and how much exposition and world building you can do. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, because there's only so much time that you have in the comic, but the yeah, it's, it's a standard twenty-two page comic for each each chapter. So that's got to get a lot in there. I believe I believe the term is John Bar point, but what were the John Bar points of like the historical turns? Are are those in the prequels? Um, like my f- friend's book, nineteen oh one, with uh, focusing on uh, Vice President Roosevelt. The John Barr point is Lincoln gets his first choice for vice president, who's Benjamin Butler, and he doesn't die in the assassination attempt. Mary Todd does. And so, but he ends up crippled. And so like that changes U.S. history entirely. What's your John Barr point? Or have you? Uh, we, I have not gotten there yet in the novellas because I've been dealing with the nature of novellas and short stories is you need to either like short stories, you know, focus on one character or two at the most or else it becomes unwieldy novellas. You can expand a bit, but you do have to, I want the stories to be Uh self-contained. My husband has been bugging me about starting to write the novels. And of course that will, yes, uh, that will be addressed in the novels. Uh, I've had people, uh, fans, actually bug me about when am I going to do the RPG. Uh, <laughs> I just, I've run out of time. Yeah. Uh, I, what, what, there's a day job attached to this? Yeah, it's... Um, yeah, I do work part-time, you know that. Yeah. Uh, along with, oh, by the way, I have to go buy food and occasionally vacuum the house. And, and you know, dinners are like, oh, what do you want, honey? We're going to go defrost it. <laughs> yeah, I I know that all too well. Uh, I look forward to seeing, you know, because of your knowledge of history, I look forward to seeing how you spin uh, the changes, because that will be, it, it's fun to see that, especially in the 19th century, where, you know, like if John Quincy Adams had been successful and reelected, you know, like how, how that could have well, changed. I, I can tell you one thing. Um, uh, the Civil War is not so much between Northerns and Southern governments, but between Northern and Southern family-owned corporations. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Because in the world I've created, and, uh, and you'll read more of this in the novellas, particularly the, the last one, The Demons of Liberty Row, where, and also Steampunk Rat, because novellas, well, obviously they're longer, so you can get more into it. Um, you focus on the families, they're family owned corporations and they own all of the major, we're talking, you know, the steel family, the farming family, the, all the different industries and, um, the Northern families decided that slavery was not cost effective. There was no profit in it. And that is, that was the break because Southern companies would not, it wasn't through some moral high ground. It was just inefficient. And so uh, if you read in Demons of Liberty Row, Liberty Row is the, uh, the Negro section of Boston where Granville Woods lives. And so you get an insight into the uh, African-American viewpoint of post-Civil War 
knowing that, well, if the northern houses, the great houses, what I call the great houses or the corporations, decide that, well, slavery is suddenly cost-effective, they're screwed. Mm, wow. So you see some of their preparation within their own community to protect themselves. Interesting. I look forward to checking that out. Being the history geek, that's, I look forward to checking that out. Yeah, so I, you know, obviously I've reinvented history here, but it's, as you can tell, it's a reflection of our own times. Uh-huh. You know, it's a mirror of what we're looking at now between uh, race relations and uh, the middle class fighting for their life. Um, you know, where it used to be uh, being middle class, uh, if you were at the poverty line, was once attainable to achieve that goal. I'm not sure it is anymore. No, no it's scary. Unless, unless, unless you were already born into it. It's, it's truly scary right now. That's fascinating. Uh, um, because uh, obviously you and I are in a privileged class. Uh, we're both white. I mean, you're actually in a higher privileged class than I am because you're male. Um, I know you don't. <laughs> my husband doesn't like to hear that either. He goes, but I love you. And, I, <laughs> and everything. <laughs> uh, but, it, you know, through our society, it's simply true. And uh, I know I am privileged because I have an education. Um, I came from a middle class family that, that came from lower income and but was able to, you know, economically move up. Um, and same thing with, uh, with David's family. Huh. Uh, I mean, they came from, from, a, they were poor. I mean, all of our families were poor, you know, 50 to a hundred years ago, all of our families were poor and, uh, they were able to move up through education. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not sure that's, that's, that's really hard to do now. So obviously that's mirrored in, in the stories um, and along with uh, what I hope are good, uh, good characters that you, you care about and are willing to take on a journey with. Yeah, and it is reflective of the Gilded Age. Yeah. So uh, that is interesting because we had for many years after you know, 9-11, all the movies and books had the nine, post-9-11 feel to them. Yes. And with... Um, basically institutionalized suffering because of the economy that people are having, seeing that change uh, in pop culture and, and, and you're bringing it out uh, I think fairly well. So that is, that is fascinating. That is fascinating. I, you know, I like your work a lot and I encourage mm-hmm. others, to, others to check. Well, it's creative and it's fun. And, and we have t-shirts now. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I wore my button to the Geeky Awards. You know, it's just, it's good stuff. And uh, uh, yeah, the little watches, I mean, it's all good stuff. So yeah. uh, now, uh, before we close, uh, what are any conventions coming up throughout the fall that people could see you at if they want to meet you in person? Yes, uh, I will be in Rose City, Portland. Uh, towards the end of September, I think that's September, looking at my calendar, uh, the 20th and the 21st, and then I'll be at Long Beach the weekend after that, and then I will be at Ape in San Francisco the first weekend of October, and then 
two weeks after that, I will be at the San Diego Comic Fest, of which you will be there too, I believe. This will be the first time I get to speak at a comic convention, and I am so stoked. Uh, we'll talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and legal issues there, and Star Wars, and legal lessons from Star Wars. So I'm like, I'm giddy to be doing this. Well, you're on a panel. I'm on the steampunk track uh, with my friend Elizabeth Watasson. And my husband, David, is on the JPL NASA track. So if people come, they can go ask him all geeky space questions, and he will be happy to answer them because he, well, knows, knows all the answers. He is a real rocket scientist, so yes, he knows those answers. <laughs> I, I look forward to talking to him because I am a total space geek. With my, uh, my dad was in charge of building, uh, installing the tiles on Columbia, Oh, wow. Okay. So my earliest memory is the rollout of the Space Shuttle Columbia. And I was able to take my dad back to the final Space Shuttle launch. So we were able to bookend the shuttle program together. Mm-hmm. So I totally look forward to talking to your husband about his work and space exploration. And, and I did put in a request. I don't know if, we'll, if we can work out, but that we don't conflict time-wise <laughs> during the show so yeah he, i will be there all weekend but i think he's just going to be there on saturday uh-huh. uh so we don't have to board the dogs that's really how it is so he can get home drive home get him get him the dogs fed uh so yeah i know he's speaking on saturday i have no idea when i'm speaking i'm on a actually i'm on a panel at long beach as well with uh, fanboy comics okay oh, cool. on, on, on independent creators and I, they haven't told me when that's scheduled yet. Um, so yeah, I'm on more and more panels and, and it's a lot of fun. I, I really enjoy it. I enjoy meeting other panelists and also talking to the people who, who attend, get lots of, uh, good and different ideas going around. I really enjoy the conventions because it's an injection of creativity because I, being an attorney, the conferences that we go to are kind of, can be dull. Uh, part of it's the nature of the profession but there are a lot of lawyers who are geeks and who you know you put in the effort to make it entertaining lawyers will show up and appreciate it so i i enjoy going to these events Mm -hmm. dose of creativity to hang out with people it's like wow you make stuff and you know you sat down you, you wrote a little book you wrote a comic you know it's like i haven't done that and it, it's it's neat to see that and experience that and then take it back to my profession or the other half of my profession uh-huh. and, and see what we can do to liven up our half so people understand the law more and understand the issues. So, uh, But for those in Oregon, uh, Long Beach, and San Diego, so there, there are three opportunities to see you. Uh, in the next San Francisco. Oh, in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, all over California. So Yes. Uh, excellent, excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time, and well, thank I you. wish you success with the Kickstarter, and I encourage everyone to check it out. And until then, uh, stay geeky, America. <laughs> <laughs>